Hello and welcome to the Anxiety Podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew and I am a six-year veteran sufferer of anxiety disorder. And it's one of those things that's very pervasive in society, um, at least Western society. And this is less an approach to trying to figure out why that is the case, but more a resource for those that may be feeling lost or hopeless or still adjusting and trying to figure out what the hell is going on with their bodies and their minds. So I want to invite you, the listener, to take a minute and relax and be vulnerable and know that you're in good company um, with someone that has dealt with this in various ways and various intensities and still deals with it today. Um, But that being said, I want to start with talking about kind of what is anxiety and how does it manifest. So uh, in the United States, the statistic is about 40 million adults, 18 or over, suffer from an anxiety disorder. That's a lot. Um, Over 18% of the population. And of those 40 million people, adults, about 37% uh, receive treatment and the rest don't. And that treatment can be medication or therapy. And I want to start by saying that if this is something that's affecting you, uh, seek out a therapist. Go talk to somebody. It doesn't have to be um, this lay-down-on-the-couch Freudian, you know, psychoanalysis. Uh, My experiences with therapy, which I have been involved with for the past eight months, uh, have been very productive. And, you know, most of the time, it's like going to see a very wise friend. You should seek wise counsel. Um, There are therapists that specialize in general anxiety disorder and all across the spectrum for the different ways that it manifests. So know that you're not alone and know that there is help out there. Uh, You don't have to do this alone. And that being said, uh, you know, the times that I've considered myself to be getting better are when I've talked to people about it. You know, you don't have to keep this all inside. And there's appropriate times to do that. Um, You don't want to talk to everyone that you meet about this. Uh, You could, but it's much more productive to find a core group of people that understand because by and large, if people have never experienced anxiety disorder, they are not going to really be able to help much uh, if they don't have any formal training. And so people that have experienced panic attacks um, and the different manifestations of anxiety disorder tend to be much more sympathetic and in the know as far as what you could be going through. And so it is a little bit different for everyone, I think, um, based on your subjective experiences in the past and what you're going through in the present. But find people that you know that are going through something similar and confide in them and realize that you're not alone and neither are they. And the more people that you can find along the way, you can begin to help them, they can help you, And it's overall much better than just doing it yourself and being trapped in this 
what can often feel like uh, your own bubble where nobody understands you and you're just going through this thing that you can't explain. Um, anxiety can be very confusing. It can make you feel crazy, like you are completely alone and it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. But I can promise you that doing the right things and approaching it the right way, it's not a lost cause and there is hope for you. I promise. And so that being said, uh, I'll tell you about my introduction to this wonderful thing. Um, not really, but it was six years ago. Um, I had just started a new job. And before this, I was very brave and outgoing and was not really scared of anything. Um, I had a very different personality before anxiety reared up. I didn't know what it was. I had heard about it. I'd known people that had anxiety disorders, but it was very foreign to me. It was kind of like um, if you've never gone through maybe cancer or lost a loved one in a certain way that you can't really sympathize with it nor understand it. And I had come home from my new job um, about a week into it, and it was on a Wednesday night. I had got home, and I didn't really feel very different uh, initially. I maybe was in a heightened state of stress, but I wasn't really familiar with stress. Um, it never affected me. Uh, and so I remember that I had some kind of pain in my lower back, and I pulled out my computer and searched you know, what, what may be going on. It was minor. It was, it was nothing really. It was like, you know, a sore lower back and ended up on WebMD. And somehow or another, within five minutes, I was in a different place all of a sudden. Uh, my heart started pounding and I couldn't sit down and my mind was racing to a degree that I had never experienced. Uh, it lasted about 30 minutes, and my girlfriend partner was there with me, and I had, you know, said, I think I need an ambulance. Uh, I couldn't calm down, and I'd never felt this way before, and she said, I think you're having a panic attack. And I didn't know what that was, and it didn't help. <laughs> it didn't make the symptoms go away, and it ended, um you know, 20 or 30 minutes later. And I was just kind of like, wow, I don't know what that was. Uh, the next day, I remember waking up and my mind was racing again, and it would not stop. And I was in a state of confusion. I didn't know what had happened. I was, what I now know the word is ruminating on what I had experienced. It was very foreign to me. And this went on for months. I could not relax. I, could, I was obsessing over what had happened to me, and I think I was fearful that it might happen again spontaneously. Um, I had never been incapacitated before. I didn't know that the body was capable of doing its own thing outside of what you wanted it to do, you know, um, I reached out to a therapist that I knew from living with him previously in college. He was an older man, 
And I kind of just said, I had a panic attack. And he sighed and he said, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, I used to get them all the time. It's normal. There's nothing wrong, you know, but go see somebody if you need to. And I began to feel physical symptoms in the weeks after that, where I had what felt like a lump in the center of my chest. It felt like a baseball had just been lodged into my sternum. And I was terrified of having a heart attack all of a sudden. That's what it felt like. Um, I would experience these symptoms of palpitations and nausea and you know, your mind goes to a place where you're not thinking rationally. And this began to dominate my life. This began to rear its head in every situation you can imagine. Um, I remember going to the movies to see The Hobbit when it first came out, the first one, and sitting in the chair during the previews thinking I was going to have a heart attack and ended up leaving before the movie started and went home, and that was another kind of first of the avoidance behaviors, where I would try to get out of every situation I was in because I was so uncomfortable, and, you know, this was six years ago, and I can say that it's been a hell of a journey since. I've read every book I could get my hands on about this, I want to know everything about it. You know, anxiety sufferers tend to be good researchers, and they tend to want to know some logical explanation for this illogical thing that's happening to them, because it's it feels so foreign every time, even today. There is no logical way to approach this. Um, and I'll say that, you know, the spectrum of anxiety, at least as I've experienced it, the symptoms that you feel, these these random body sensations can basically cover head to toe. Um, if you Google a symptom followed by the word anxiety, you'll find that it's a common anxiety symptom. So it can be anything from ears ringing, uh, stiffness in any muscle you can imagine, limbs falling asleep, um, the list is unending, and that's one of the more confusing things about it, is it's very hard to nail down exactly what you're feeling other than, oh, it's anxiety. Um, I think there's a difference between people that are anxious and people with an anxiety disorder. Uh, the threshold may be panic attacks. Um, some people experience them rarely, some people experience them almost daily, and I can only sympathize with those that have them more often because it is hell. It is the worst feeling that I can imagine. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And for me personally, um, I've had in total three, I think, and two for sure. And those two panic attacks were enough to just derail my life. You know, feeling out of control in your own body is a horrible thing. It's not like being on a drug or being intoxicated where you may lose control or function. It's like you, you aren't even in the driver's seat. Um, you feel like you may be going crazy. And for me, it's always the worst period of it is the month or two after. 
that panic attack where you just question what is going on and how did this happen? And most importantly, how can I make sure that this never happens again? Um, and that's not really the right way to look at it, I don't think. Uh, but we'll get more into that in just a little bit. Um, for me, after the first panic attack, we talked about, you know, the chest sensations. Those were pretty dominant. Um, what ended up happening is, and this is pretty common, I went to the doctor very often, sometimes five times a week in the first month after the first panic attack, and this all set in. Uh, I was going to the doctor constantly, and I really had these feelings. Um, I remember I was going to an after-hours clinic, no appointment needed, and they set me on this table, and they hooked me up to an EKG, and my heart was racing, and I was terrified. And the nurse practitioner kind of looked at me and said, you know, you can calm down, and I said, I'd love to. Uh, <laughs> it was a very bad place. And, you know, after that, they cut me two prescriptions for Xanax and for an SSRI. And I felt more lost than I ever had. And I used the Xanax very sparingly because finding all of the negative uh, potential problems with benzodiazepines made me really scared of them. Uh, I still don't use Xanax hardly ever but I always have it. I always keep it in my pocket or in my bag, and I'm never more than a few feet away from it. And that seems to help at least. I know that if I get into a bad place that I've got this as a crutch. Um, I think on average I probably take an eighth of a two milligram pill. So I take literally a fourth and then cut that in half. And I will take that eighth of a two milligram pill once every six months if I'm going into a situation that I am just absolutely terrified of and worried that the consequences of having a panic attack are high enough that I'll avoid it if I do this. And other than that, I just keep it on me. Um, I'm still not convinced that that's a healthy way to do this, but it works for me and keeps me in the back of my mind knowing that if the worst comes to the worst, I've got this to fall back on. Um, another symptom that became really problematic for me was IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So this one lasted about a year, and I would be at work, and I would have to go to the bathroom every five minutes. I had a very strong pain in my lower right side of my abdomen. Uh, it never went away, and... I hated it. It was it was the worst. Um, you feel nauseous and sick all the time. And I think a lot of this was just straight from work stress. I was at a different job at this point. Um, this was probably six months after the initial panic attack. And I would wake up every Monday morning vomiting. I would wake up and walk to the bathroom and I would vomit for five or ten minutes. And then I'd feel a little bit better, and I would just go to work. And that's another thing that I had never really experienced. I didn't get nervous uh, before this all started. I, I didn't even know what nerves were. I, I was always big into public speaking, 
and social stuff, and I was very outgoing. Um, I traveled the world by myself. I did everything by myself, and I was very confident and calm and very sure of myself. And that's one thing that anxiety disorder can take away from you. It can make you feel like you're not in control. As far as getting better, during that first bout with anxiety, I started to undergo some lifestyle changes. I started exercising rigorously and changing my diet and cutting out, you know, all forms of coffee and tobacco and, you know, all the things you shouldn't do. I stopped drinking entirely and drug use and all of those things. Um, I cast them aside and it's very easy to do when you're in a desperate place. Um, it wasn't hard, but it didn't really help that much. I'll say, uh, time was a big one. So some of these things you have to just let them pass. Now, I really wish I would have gone and talked to a therapist at the get go and gotten this thing, you know, at least under on a path with some cognitive behavioral therapy and other tools that, that can be very useful. But I decided, you know, initially just to do it myself, and that was probably not the smartest thing. And, you know, so in some ways I did get better. Those symptoms all went away after so, so long. Um, and it was a while. It was about a year. And up until about 18 months ago, um, everything was pretty fine. And then it happened again. I was at work at a new job. I live in a different city now. And I was at what I would consider my dream job. And it was in the middle of the day, and it was extremely hot where I was working. And one minute I was fine, and the next minute I wasn't. I thought I was having a heat stroke. And yet again, couldn't control my body. Uh, my heart was racing, I was trying to lay down, and I was hugging an ice pack, thinking that I had gotten overheated, and it didn't help. And what ended up happening was a maintenance worker that happened to be there had asked me what my electrolyte intake had been for the day, and I said nothing um, to the best I could. I, I couldn't really talk. And he went and fetched a Gatorade out of his car, and he gave me that. And I called somebody to come pick me up and bring me home. And I ate a banana and started to feel a little better after the symptoms subsided. But what happened after all of this was just as confusing and just as foreign as the first time I'd had a panic attack six years ago. Um, I started to always have Gatorade on me. I started to always have bananas, which sounds ridiculous, but I would, you know, always have like five bananas in my car. And I was terrified of, you know, having the same thing happen again. Um, I drive a lot for my current job and that gets difficult. I had a couple of experiences in the months that followed this most recent panic attack uh, 18 months ago where I would be driving and I would all of a sudden realize that I didn't have any food or 
Gatorade or anything with electrolytes in it, and I would freak out. I would have, you know, think I was going into like a diabetic coma. Uh, my vision would get blurry, and I would feel very sick and faint, and I would, you know, debate whether I should pull over, if it's safe to drive, and it's very uncomfortable and very scary. Um, it caused problems with productivity at work. It caused me to recluse, you know, get myself into situations that I felt comfortable in. And what that meant was, you know, not putting myself out there um, and not putting myself in situations that panic attacks could occur, which is nonsense because it can occur anytime, anywhere. And it's about how you cope with them and how you manage the stress you're under. That's what's going to control how you respond to these things. And so, you know, some of the newer and <laughs> it feels different almost every day still, but uh, I developed some sort of agoraphobia where going to the store became a major problem because I would start feeling faint while shopping or the worst was standing in line at the register. And this is something that I would never in a million years have imagined could be a problem for me. Um, standing in line is still a big problem for me I start feeling like I'm going to pass out or that I'm going to go crazy and snap. And that's not really a thing, but it feels very real every time it happens. And, you know, the ways that I've gotten around this are trying not to avoid it as much because I've learned that when I do practice avoidance behaviors, such as not going to the store or not driving on the interstate or you know, taking a route that's twice as long, but keeps me close to being able to exit, you know, the road if I have to. These things build neural pathways that reinforce the behavior. So you do it once and your brain figures out that you, know, you were okay because you did this action. And it's not true. It's not reality. Um, the best way to go about beating some of these things is to make yourself do them. Do it in an appropriate and responsible way, but don't show fear and don't let fear make you change your life. Meet it and say, I am here, I'm not going anywhere, and there's nothing that's going to stop me. And if you practice this enough, you will begin to feel better. Uh, over the past few months, uh, in going to therapy and trying to figure out what has happened and what can we do about it, uh, I discovered that that there's something else that's kind of reared its ugly head, and it's called pure OCD. Um, it's a form of obsessive-compulsive disorder that does not bring about ritualistic behaviors, such as locking the door 15 times or, you know, I really sympathize with those people. But I'm lucky and I feel privileged that those are not reality for me, but, but I still have the thoughts. With pure OCD, you have the same intrusive thoughts that don't really go away. They seem very loud, and they seem to shape your opinion of yourself in a lot of ways. When you get really scared because you had a violent thought or something that you shouldn't be thinking. 
Um, I won't get into the specifics, but for the most part, there are treatments available for all of these things. And without, we'll get more into depth with this later, but don't ever feel like you're the only one that's dealing with this stuff. Um, anxiety is a spectrum. The disorder can manifest itself in countless ways, but there are so many people dealing with similar issues, and we are determined to not let that control our lives. There's hope at the end of the tunnel. Work hard, you will get better, and as far as what that looks like, um, in general, you can't let it define you. You can't let it control your life. And so if you don't feel like doing something, you probably should do it. The body and the mind have a tendency to want you, when you feel certain ways, to be sedentary and to plant yourself to be safe. But that's not life, and that's not what living is about. Put yourself out there. Fight this every day. And some days you might lose. Some days you will feel like it is impossible to go out of the house or to sit in the meeting. Um, I'll give you a small example, and I'll close with this. About a year ago, um, so six months after you know this kind of reared up again, I found myself in a very important meeting at work, and it was at a very nice place, and I was with some very powerful people. And... Walking into the door of the meeting, I knew I was going to have a hard time. My left arm had gone numb, and I was standing in the lobby, and it felt, there was like a loud boom almost, like the whole room had shifted, and my body released tons of adrenaline, and I just felt horrible. Scared, worried, and like something was wrong, you know, pretty, pretty typical anxiety. And I went into the meeting, and throughout the entire meeting, I felt like I needed to run out of the door. I needed to excuse myself, but I didn't. I sat through it, and I made it through. After the meeting had wrapped up, I felt relief that I had kept my composure. And as we were walking out, my bosses were there, and they were talking about this new position that they were creating. And it was going to pay a lot more than we had paid other jobs previously. And this was a big job that they were looking to, to bring on, a, a new employee. And I heard that, and it sparked my interest. And I ended up putting my name in the hat. And I said, I, I want that job. And it was a long shot. It was, it was one of those things where they even even my immediate boss, who had always been very supportive and still is, said, you know, this might be out of your league. And I said, challenge accepted. And long story short, I have that job. I got it, and I've had it since. And it's been a huge blessing in my life. But I just want you to know that even in your darkest days, even when you think there is no way I can get through this, you can make it happen. You can do it. Fight through it. Be yourself. Know that it will get better, that you're stronger than anxiety. You are bigger than this, and if you fight it hard enough, you will come out victorious on the other end.
That's all for our first episode. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to producing more of this Anxiety Podcast. I'm looking to have a guest on in the next episode, and we can share our stories. If you have uh, anything you'd like to send my way, feel free as far as your own personal story or struggles. But I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today, and stay strong. Stay with it. Find somebody to talk to. It will get better. You are still you, and that will not change. If you are looking for an outlet or a resource for therapy, the most cost-effective that I have found is a website called openpathcollective.org. You go on and you pay a small fee to register, and then you have access to many good therapists in your area. Um, This is not a plug. I'm not sponsored by them. I absolutely use the service and recommend it to everyone I know because whenever you decide to take the leap and actually go talk to a professional, you may be disheartened to find that it is not cheap. Um, Whenever I started making phone calls to actually go find a therapist, I was very turned off because I didn't have $500 to just lay down uh, to try to get better about this. And so Open Path Collective has been a great resource for me. Um, Please check it out. Um, And final disclaimer, I am not a medical professional. Uh, I'm just a guy that's going through probably the same things you are. Um, and looking for answers. So thank you so much for joining, and I wish you all the best. I'll see you next time.